church. How's everyone doing today? Hey, we had an awesome, awesome week of the fast. We had um, every night, every night at 6.30, and uh, it was just phenomenal. Friday night rolled around, and um, we had been here every night from 6.30 to 8. Obviously, we're, as the leadership, we're showing up early and staying late. Many nights, we didn't leave here until 9 or later, just because that's the nature of, you know, being the leader. And... Um, Friday night rolled around, and I don't know, it was the middle of worship, end of worship, and I'm like, can we just do this every night? We had been here for five nights, and I was like, can we just do this every night? And I was talking to somebody else, and, and they were saying of the fast, they were like, I don't know that I want this to end. I don't know that I'm going to end my fast, right? We've decided, we've set this time aside for the Lord to fast this week, but I don't want this time, this time of deeper intimacy with the Lord to end. And that's the expression of this idea that I don't want this fast to end, is I don't want this deeper intimacy with the Lord to end. And I'm here to tell you this morning that it doesn't have to. For those of you who have fasted, it doesn't have to. And so uh, you can continue your fast. You don't have to continue your fast. But the deeper intimacy that you discovered through this fast, you're able to carry on with you for the rest of your days. For the rest of your days. This happened to me uh, back when I started fasting in 2006, 2007. And it, and it continually happens over and over and over again. The Lord brings us to a deeper place and a deeper place and a deeper place. And so you may uh, decide that something that you gave up this week, maybe you gave up social media this week, and you may decide, you know what, I'm going to give up social media for the next six months. You may, you may decide, I'm going to I'm just going to give it up forever. I don't need it. Or you might just say, I'm going to approach it in a much different fashion than I ever have before. All of those things are okay. All of those decisions are all right. And the, the reality is, is how much of that thing can you have and not be distracted from a deeper relationship with the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that was good. Hey, <laughs> that was good. Hey, listen, uh, I want to also say this. If you, if you, if you failed in your fast, right? I gave up meats and sweets or whatever you gave up, right? If you, if you stumbled through your fast and you, you ate that cookie when you shouldn't have, there's no condemnation. God's not mad. If anything, there's just a new invitation to say, hey, come on, go at it again. Try it again. You know, God's never mad when we fail. That's not God. That's not the God that we serve. He's a God of, of mercy and compassion, of NN, of NN, uh, Unending mercy and compassion. Unending mercy and compassion. Um, for those of you who weren't able to make any of the nights, I know that you know there's a time constraint, and that's fine. Um, but what I want to do is I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for anybody that wasn't here any of the nights. If you maybe if you were here a few of the nights, whatever, we're gonna have a prayer line here at the end. Everyone's welcome. But I want to read this scripture from Numbers chapter 11. Uh, to gain an understanding of the blessing that you're going to receive because the church fasted this week. Numbers, Numbers chapter 11, beginning in verse uh, 24, it says, So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Now the tabernacle was outside of the camp. Okay, got to get a picture of this. 
the camp is actually shaped like a cross. And then the tabernacle is set outside the camp. And, and Moses would make a regular habit of going outside the camp to the tabernacle to meet with the Lord. And so he gathers the 70 elders outside the camp at the tabernacle. This is very important for us to understand with the rest of the story coming. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon Moses and placed it the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them, the elders, that they prophesied, although they never did so again. And so there's this moment of time where we see this corporate blessing poured out from, the, from God. God takes the spirit that's in Moses and he pours it out on the elders. Although they would never do that again. But two men, and here's the important part, but two men had remained in the camp. They didn't come out to the tabernacle. The name of the one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them back at camp. Now they were among those listed, but they had not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet they prophesied in the camp. And so what we see here is that the same spirit that fell on those who went out to the camp fell upon those, I'm sorry, the the same spirit that fell upon those who obeyed and went out to the tabernacle fell upon those who didn't go and stayed in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Mun. Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Moses, make them stop. Tell them they got to stop. Tell them they don't get the blessing because they didn't come out. <laughs> then, Moses said to him, then, then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses returned to the camp, and he and the elders of Israel. And so Moses is saying, no, I'm not going to stop it. The Lord's done this thing, and you know what? I pray, I wish, I wish, you know what I wish? I wish that not only the elders prophesied, I pray that every person would prophesy. This is what Moses just said. And Paul says, I desire that you all would prophesy. So after service, we're going to pray for all of you. If you didn't get an opportunity to come out, we understand that the... the, uh, the busyness of life, the complexities of things like that. And so it doesn't matter. We want the blessing of God to be upon you as strong as it's on any of us that came. And so we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you right here at the end. Man, church is good today. I haven't even started my message. You guys are good with a two-hour service, right? Because that's, that's, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. Hey, uh, Two things I want to mention uh, before I get into my message today. Today we're talking about engaged culture. I'm sorry, engaged church. Uh, but two things I want to mention. Um, number one, Kingdom Builders, uh, Kingdom Builders offering. You guys saw the slide. We've been announcing it for weeks. This is our once a year offering that we take. Our goal for Kingdom Builders is 15,000. Right now we're at 11,800. So we're, we're a few thousand short. But today's the last day, so there's still time. Some of you have been waiting for this number to come out so that you could be the one to put us over the top. So go for it. Uh, $11,867.38. So you can do the math and figure out exactly what we need to come in, and you can write that check. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Or give online. Thank you. Uh, Second thing I want to say is this. This vertical marriage conference, um, you, you invest into what's important to you. 
your marriage should be highly important to you. If we review our, um, um, what's important to us in life, or what, what's it, uh, God, spouse, children, uh, family, work, church, or church work, church work, work comes last. God first, spouse second, children third. Spouse is number two on the list. Spouse is number two on the list. Priorities. There we go. I knew it would come to me eventually. Here's what I want to say. If you're here and you can't afford, the, the, um, you can't afford to go, then, then let me know. Let, let one of the elders know, uh, and, and we'll take care of that. Okay? We'll figure that out. Additionally, if you're here and you hear me speaking right now, and you're like, you know what? I'm not married, but I want to pay for somebody to go. Or, you know what, I can't go because I'm going to be out of town, but I want to pay for somebody to go. Or maybe you just, uh, you're hearing me say this right now, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to cover someone. Then just write that in on your, your offering at the end, and then mark it. I'm going to help someone for vertical marriage, you know, whatever. You'll figure it out. I don't have the terminology to tell you how to write that on your envelope. Praise the Lord. Okay. Good. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Let's pray. And we'll jump right into the message. Father, we thank you for uh, all that you're doing here at Redeeming Love. God, I thank you that you are expanding the tent pegs of Redeeming Love, that you are expanding our influence, that you are expanding the Spirit of God that even moves here on a Sunday morning, that you are expanding what you will do in any given regular service, Lord. God, that mornings like this morning will be the new norm. God, that your Spirit will be on display every single time we meet. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is our vision, and we've been, we're in our vision series. Last week, I know it snowed, many couldn't come uh, because of the weather. That's okay. Go back and watch last week's. We did the first part, Engage God. We talked about what it means to engage God. Today, I want to talk about Engage Church and what it means to engage church, okay? And so I want to begin with this word church. Actually, I'll, I'll jump to the first slide. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so our vision here, engage God, engage church, engage culture. It's really based on two scriptures. It's based on the great commandment, which we read last week, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, great commandment, second commandment, and the great commission, go into all of the world and make disciples of all nations. And so these are the two, this is a great commandment and the great commission that Jesus put forward. Jesus has a plan to take back the authority, take back the world. And his plan is the great commandment and the great commission. And you know what? There is no plan B. Jesus doesn't have a plan B. Jesus doesn't need a plan B. There is no plan B. There will never be a plan B. It won't happen any other way. Great commandment, great commission. He says, go into all of the world. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The operative word here is make. If we read this, uh, this scripture in another translation, it says, as you go into all of the world, make disciples. So what we're literally saying is like, as you go through your life, make disciples. As you go through your life, make disciples. 
as you are doing the normal things that you would do on a regular basis, make disciples of the people around you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jumping to the next slide. Here we go. And with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who received his word were baptized, and that day 3,000 souls were added to the church. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in the, in the, in the, in the apostles' doctrine and in the fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And so what we see here in this portion of Scripture in Acts 2.40 is we see the New Testament church in action. This is the New Testament church, and this is what happened when the church grew. This is what they did. And what they did is right here in Scripture. Number one, God added people to the church. Number two, they followed the apostles' doctrine. They learned what the apostles were teaching. Number three, they fellowshiped together. They got together regularly, and they talked about spiritual matters. Fellowship is when we talk about spiritual matters. If you get together with brothers and sisters in the church and all you're talking about the weather is the weather, you're not fellowshipping. You're only socializing. It doesn't become fellowship until we start to engage in the spiritual atmosphere, the spiritual climate. Did you read anything good in your Bible this week? What jumped out to you in your Bible this week? What is the Lord speaking to you this week? And so as we begin to have these spiritual conversations, hey, what are you struggling with? Hey, how can I help you follow God better? As we begin to have these spiritual conversations, now we're actually doing fellowship. Until we've had these spiritual conversations, we're only socializing. Don't get them confused. And in the breaking of bread, this is meals and communion. Communion and meals. So we're going to do communion today at the end of service. And having meals together. You know what? (laughs) In the Old Testament, there was the altar. In the New Testament, there's a table. In the Old Testament, the altar spoke of exclusivity. Only certain people were allowed. You had to bring a perfect offering. But in the New Testament, at the table, there's inclusivity. We're all welcome. Doesn't matter. Not talking about the fact that we can live any ways we want. No, God still has his standards. But we're invited in even when we're not perfect. Even when we feel we've failed, we're invited into the table. Just invite somebody out for a meal this week. Say, hey, I want to grab coffee together. I want to, can, we grab, uh, can we grab lunch together? Can we grab something? Eat. There's more transpired over a meal than you know. It's not just food. The words that are shared there are different than the words that are, are spoken while you're hanging out in the back of the church for a few minutes on a Sunday. And in prayers, we need to be a people of prayer. Verse 46 through 47, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, there was unity in the temple, in the church, and breaking bread, here we go, communion again, from house to house, and so house to house. They weren't in the same house all the time. They, went, they shared the responsibility. We all have a part in this. They ate their food. Here we go again with eating together. What's up with these people? Do they have a gluttony problem? All they do is eat? No, we all eat all the time. How many of us eat three meals a day? Everybody put your hand up. (laughs) We, We all eat three meals a day. And so that's just a lot of time that we're spending doing something that we could be doing it together and we can be sharing spiritual things while we do it. Come on. There's some people in here, you're going to start prayer, uh, you're going to start Bible studies at your lunch hour in your workplace. Because they ate together. 
And this is discipleship, and it's not just limited to the church. That's another message for another day. I don't have time to go there today. That's a good message, though. (laughs) They ate their food with gladness. With gladness. How many of you know that you've got to choose joy? You've got to choose to be happy. You've got to choose to be glad. Gladness begins with thanksgiving. Somebody let me hear you. Gladness begins with thanksgiving. When you get into thanksgiving, you get into joy and you get into grace and thanksgiving and joy and grace and thanksgiving and joy and grace. And once you get on this wheel, you can't stop it. Not that you would want to. I mean, you could by just stopping being thankful. You have to choose joy. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Simplicity of heart. Not that we have to live a completely simple life where we've thrown everything out, but we just have to not let stuff have us. Are we enjoying what we have or are we, or, or are we living for what we have? Are we, are we allowing our possessions to own us? That's not simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to those who were being saved daily. Amen? Amen. And so one of the best ways for us to engage church is to, as we read in uh, the Great Commission, is to make disciples. And so what I want to highlight today is I want to highlight discipleship. I want to highlight discipleship, okay? Uh, we all use this term and we throw this term around uh, greatly. Every church wants to be a disciple-making church, right? That's, that's every church's vision. We want to make disciples. We make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. What is a disciple and how do we make one? Better yet, how do I become a disciple? What do I need to be a disciple so that I can go out and make disciples? And so there's two sides to the coin of disciple. There's the discipler and there's the disciplee. There's the old person and there's the young person, right? These is terminology that we use here lovingly. So if I'm calling you the old person, it's just because you're the spiritual mentor, not because you're old. The old person has nothing to do with age. Let me clarify my statement before anybody gets offended, right? So we have the old person, we have the young person. We have the spiritual mentor and we have the person who's learning, right? And so this morning I want to talk about the person who's learning. Seven keys to be the person who learns, Because I want to give you a little secret, because even myself, 30 years saved, lead pastor of the church, I need someone to teach me. I need to be in a position where I am learning from others. I need to be in a position right now where I am being discipled by those who have gone before me in what I'm now walking through. You have not experienced anything that is new to man. I'm here to tell you that the sufferings that you suffer, someone else has walked through. All you need to do is find them and ask them the questions, how do I get through this? So this morning I want to share, no matter your struggle, no matter uh, where you're at, these are, the, these are seven keys to being a good disciple, being a good disciple of one another. So first thing you do is you find this discipleship relationship right? Because what is discipleship? Discipleship is a disciple-making relationship. It's a relationship that we enter into so that we can become the disciple that Jesus wants us to be. It's a relationship. 
And so if we remove relationship from the process, we just come back to the Old Testament and it doesn't work. We can't just make a list of rules and say, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this, and expect it to work. It didn't work the first time. It's not going to work the second time. When Jesus came and walked the earth, he didn't write a book and say, this is what you need to do because it's not that simple. He walked with them for three and a half years and he showed them how to live in relationship. And this is the key. The key is relationship. Problem with many of us, and I'm I'm throwing the stones right at myself, guys, is that we're not good at relationships. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not calling you on the carpet. I'm speaking to myself. We're not good at relationships. We're not, at, we're not as good at relationships as we think we, as, as good as we think we are. We're not as good as relation, at relationships as we need to be. And so I want to encourage you this morning, hone in on this. Take some notes, seven keys to discipleship. Even if you're not at the point where you want to be a disciple yet, this will just help you in your relationships with your friends. This will help you in your, in your relationship with your wife, with your husband. Let's keep going. Number one, most, one of the most important things to any relationship is to be committed, is to stay committed, right? The scripture says, then Elijah said to Elijah, Elijah said to Elijah, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elijah said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. And so one of the things that we need when we enter into the discipleship relationship is we need to be committed. We need to be committed and we need to stay committed. We need to find someone that we can learn from, someone who knows more than you do in the Lord. And we need to start a relationship with this person. And as you know, relationships take time, but we need to be committed to this relationship when we need to not waver. We need to not waver in it. We can't be here today and gone tomorrow and then back in a month and then gone for another two months and then back again. That won't work. Jesus walked with his disciples every day for three and a half years. They, they ate together, they slept together, they traveled together. Wherever Jesus went, his disciples went, they were, they were arm in arm, guys, for three and a half years. And we have trouble showing up once a week to make these connections that we need to keep in touch. Stay committed. It's about being steadfast, it's about being faithful, and it's about being dependable. Number two, communications. Communication. One of, the biggest, one of the biggest hindrances in any, re, in any relationship, I'll, I'll actually go on out on a limb and I'll say the biggest hindrance in every single relationship we have, it's not, that, um, it's not that weak of a limb for me to walk out on. The biggest hindrance in every single relationship we have is co- uh, communication, yeah. is communicating with one another. The first thing we need to do to have better communication is to have hard conversations. We need to learn to have hard conversations. Again, I'm I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I've, I've been bad at this. I think I'm getting a little bit better, but we need to learn to have these hard conversations. You know, sometimes we have to have a conversation that we don't want to have. Sometimes there's something that made us upset, and we need to go, and we need to tell the person with love and without being condemning, without pointing the finger, we need to tell them how we're feeling. And we're bad at that. 
when we go and we tell them how we feel, we're like, you did this and you did that and you're the one and it's your fault. That's not how you have the conversation. <laughs> it's, hey, you know, when you said that, I took it this way and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm not understanding what you said. Be humble in your approach. We need to have hard conversations. When they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out and followed uh, they, went at, they followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet and saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's a hard conversation. But Mary's in relationship with Jesus. And she runs right up to him and she pours her heart out and says, Jesus, if you had been here, she's weeping, she's crying, she's sobbing. She can, probably get the, she can probably hardly get the words out in between her sobbing. If you had been here, Jesus, my brother wouldn't have died. Hard conversations with love. Part B of communication. Be completely open and honest. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Part of, it, part of our discipleship relationship is that we have to be completely open and honest. It's about accountability. I had a conversation with somebody recently, and I, I'm asking them questions, and I asked a couple of different questions, and they answered me, and they, they came back a few days later, might have been a week later, and they said, you know, when you asked that question, I said this. And I thought that that's what it was. But when I examined my heart, I realized I was wrong. Come on, that's, this, is, this is open and honest conversation. As I'm asking that question, they're telling me what they think to be true. And then when they go home, they analyze the question again. And they examine their own heart. And when they find that it's not right, they come and find me and say, No, when you asked me that question, I lied because I didn't know what was really in my heart. Wow. This is the epitome of open and honest. And I'll tell you what, that person's going far. Part C, be a good listener. I'm going to harp on this for a minute. Be a good listener. God gave you two ears and he gave you one mouth. So listen twice as much as you speak. <laughs> God gave you these ears. They stick out on the side of your head and you can count them one, two. And you've got one mouth, you can count it, one. So anytime you think to go to speak, think, I have two ears, let me listen twice as much as I speak. There's so many scriptures. I could just read scriptures on keeping your mouth shut all day long. This could be a sermon into itself, but I'll just read a few here real quick. Even fools are thought to be wise if they keep silent. You could be a fool, but if you keep your mouth shut... People think you're smart. I'm just, I'm just reading the word, guys. <laughs> and discerning if they hold their tongues. I have no idea what to say. I just stand here like this, and y'all think I'm smart. Listen to this in Job. Does not the ear test words as the tongue tastes food? Wow, okay, this is, I just need to go back and relearn everything because my ears aren't there just for me to hear when the other person stops talking. I'm actually supposed to test the words that they're speaking to see whether or not they're appropriate and what I want to say is appropriate. Wait a minute, what? 
One of the keys in highly, uh, the seven habits of highly effective people is to seek first to understand and then to be understood. This comes back to being a good listener. You're not going to understand anybody if you're not listening to them. One of the things that became very clear to me at a very young age, even while I was in um, elementary school, I understood that I was a good listener. And so one of the reasons why I'm a good communicator is because I'm a great listener. I'm a good communicator because I'm a great listener. Keep going with the, the, the tongue here, uh, keeping silent. Be a good listener. The one who has knowledge uses words. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. Luke six. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So you know what you know what we realize through these scriptures is that nobody will know what's in your heart if you just And then you know what else? We can actually filter our heart by not speaking. If I can, when that thought comes, and as it begins to come up, if I hold that thought and think about that thought for a moment and ask God if that thought's from him or if that thought's from the devil, then I can filter whether or not I'm going to allow that thought to come out. And I'm filtering my heart before it hits reality. Pastor Tom always says, uh, a thought unspoken dies unborn. There's power in that. Thoughts may come. The enemy may put thoughts in my mind, but if I don't speak it out, it dies unborn. I'm not going to give birth to something that the enemy brought. That's a good point, Pastor Matt. James 3, 6. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, set the, sets the the whole course of one's life on fire, and it's set on fire by hell. The power of the tongue. The power of the tongue. More information on the power of the tongue, read James chapter 3. We've got to move on. Number three, number three point as to uh, keys to discipleship, forgive. I'm going to tell you right now, any, enter, any relationship that you enter into, there's bound to be offense. You're bound to get your feelings hurt. You're bound to be like, he doesn't love me. And Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And, and I forgive him up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. Listen, here's what we need to know. Forgive because math is hard, right? We don't need to do the math and figure out what Jesus was talking about. We just need to forgive. It doesn't matter that it comes to 490. It doesn't matter that another portion of scripture says 70 times, seven times a day, 490 times a day. Forgive your brother 490 times a day. Just forgive. Math is hard. Don't go there. Don't do the calculations. What are you going to get a, a tally sheet out? One, two. You didn't respond. Three, four, five. No, just forgive. We. I know forgiveness is a huge thing, um, and we'll talk about it more, but no relationship will ever work without forgiveness. I don't care if it's a marriage relationship, discipleship relationship, brother relationship, comrade relationship, any relationship that you have. It's not going to work without forgiveness. Number four, be teachable. 
Be teachable. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And so sometimes the Spirit of God is on us so that we can learn. But sometimes we need to be teachable. The moment that you think that you know everything, you become unteachable. The moment that you think you, you know everything, you become unteachable. It takes humility for you to remain teachable. Remain teachable. There is, there is no person in this church, out of everybody that's here, everyone that's in the room, all the kids in the children's church, there's nobody here in this room that can't teach me something if I'm open to learning from them. Even little Julia. I can learn from Julia. How old is Julia? Four. I can learn from a four-year-old. I observe their life. I learn. They actually say things, and it, it's actually, it, 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 I learn. There's, there's never been a time where I've met somebody and I've said, I can't learn from this person. Yeah. It's a humble state. It's a state of being humble. I don't think I have all the answers. I don't think that I know everything. I know it may seem that way because I've been given authority in place. Number five, serve. You want to be a good disciple? Serve. Find a way to serve. Serve in the church. Serve your disciple or serve your old person. You know, there's a lot of time that's invested into a discipleship relationship. And so sometimes um, what you need to learn through a discipleship relationship isn't going to be taught in the classroom. It's not going to be taught over the meal. It's not going to be taught through a book or through a lesson. It's going to be taught through a life lesson. Right? You come and you're like, Pastor Matt, I want to bless you and you mow my grass. It takes me 15 minutes to mow my grass, so... Don't think that you're going to come and mow my grass. I don't, I don't need you to do that. It takes me 50. But let's just for an example, you come and you mow my grass and you do it. And I'm like, oh, but you got to pick up the dog poop first because it's all over your shoes now. Right? And so it's a life lesson there. It's a little thing. But there's all kinds of things like this, points where we can learn things. We don't even know that we needed to know that. And I didn't even know that I needed to teach you that. Number six, be submitted. Scripture says, give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to who? To one another. Lots of people like to quote the very next scripture, wives submit to your husbands. But it says, submit to one another. Wives to husbands, husbands to wives, disciples to disciplers, old people to young people, young people to old people. We submit both ways in every relationship. Yep. Submission goes both ways. I submit to you, you submit to me. This little tidbit on submitting to one another, it's actually under the heading of walk in wisdom. We walk in wisdom if we're submitted to one another. Number seven, be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Jesus said to Philip, have I been with you so long and you, you have not known me, Philip? If it took Jesus every day for three and a half years of being together, every moment of every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for three and a half years to teach these Jewish believers how to follow Christ, how long do you think it's going to take me, a, 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 a man, not Jesus, not Jesus, may look like him, 
but I'm not. I'm not Jesus. How long do you think it's going to take me and when I'm seeing you less than an hour a week on a one-on-one case? I think it might take me longer than three and a half years. You have to be patient. We have to be patient. And I'm not saying it's got to take a long time, but we have to have patience. This isn't going to happen overnight. By the way, Jesus started out, when Jesus started out with his disciples, they had an understanding of a few things. Andrew, when he finds Jesus, runs and tells Peter. He just found him. They hadn't even really walked together yet. He just met him. And Andrew goes and runs and tells Peter and says, Peter, we found the Messiah. I have to explain that scripture to some of you. So you're starting out below where Andrew started out, is my point. And Andrew had to walk for three and a half years before he was ready. (laughs) You can laugh. It's funny. Thanks. These aren't the only seven keys. These aren't the only keys to discipleship. There's many. There's many keys to discipleship. But these are seven that that I see as being really, really important. And so um, I hope you wrote these down. If not, you can go back and check the check the film later, check the the audio later, and write them down. Then these things will position you for great relationships, great relationships, and it'll also position you for uh, really good discipleship. Because we want to be really good disciples. Because when we become really good disciples, we grow in our faith to the point where we're ready to disciple others. And then the keys that we need to disciple others is a whole nother list for another day. But take this, take it home, and learn from it, dwell on it, learn it. I pray that this year, I pray that 2024 is the year that we all grow in the Lord wildly. That 2024 is a year where we all find our old person, where we all find our spiritual mentor, where we all come to a place of submitting one to another so that we can follow God stronger and better than we ever have before. Because you're the ones that are called to reach the world. I am too, but it's all of us together. It's not just me. It's not just us as a church corporately. It's actually all of us individually. Whenever two or three go out into the world, that is the church. That is the ecclesia of God. And when you go out into the world, you bring the kingdom of God with you. And it's in those places that transformation happens. You speak to people. You share with people. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. And as you speak with people, you release the kingdom of God on them. Transformation comes to their life and they say, hey, there's something different about you. Obviously there is. You can feel it because it's just emanating out of me. Because the kingdom of God is in me. It's ebbing out. And then you can just invite them to church. You teach them something about Jesus. You lead them to the Lord. And discipleship happens. Let's just get ready to take communion. If I could have the piano player come on up. Jesus. Jesus. You can start praying whenever you're ready. We had an awesome week here at the fast. God poured out his spirit in magnificent ways. Um, I'm super excited about 2024. We're going to have an amazing time this year. God's going to do amazing things. Um, I can't, I, I, I don't, I don't 
see what he's going to do so much, but I see the breadth of what he's going to do. He's going to do some amazing things this year. And so I hope that you're here for it. I hope you press in for it. And I hope uh, that you are a solid part of it this year. We had a wonderful week this week uh, with the presence of the Lord. And I just, we just want to end this week of the fast with communion. Where we just come to God and we say, God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for meeting us night and night again. And I'll tell you what, there's a buildup of the presence of the Lord here this morning from having been in prayer here in worship all week long. There's a buildup of the presence here. And so just get ready to receive as we take communion this morning. Just get ready to receive as we take communion this morning. Because God's going to pour out his spirit right now as we pray here in a few minutes. He's going to pour out his spirit in an unprecedented way. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Scripture says, when the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the 12 apostles sat down with him. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Jesus, I pray that we would be a passionate people. That we would be passionate to partake of moments with you, God. That we would be passionate to partake of times spent with you, time in the secret place, time in your presence, time worshiping, time giving thanks. Pray that we would be passionate, Lord. Jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me and so right now Jesus we take this bread in remembrance of your body in remembrance of the life you lived upon the earth in remembrance of the stripes that you bore upon your back for our healing, in remembrance of your going to the cross for my sins, in remembrance of the fact that you took every sin of mine upon you and you still won. And you still won. in remembrance of the fact that you took the keys of hell and of death and of the grave and that we now have authority over heaven and earth. We thank you, Lord, and we take this together in Jesus' name. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. 
God, you are a covenant-keeping God. You are a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. It's all about relationship. You keep your promises. Jesus, we thank you that you sealed your promise of relationship with your blood and that you did it for me. God, I thank you that your blood washes away my sins. I thank you that you died on the cross, that you took away the guilt and the shame, the punishment, the ridicule. And in place, you left a blessing.
we're going to call people up for prayer here in a moment, but I want to take, we're going to need to take the offering first. There are multiple ways to give here at Redeeming Love. There's a care card in the chair backs and there's slides on the screen that'll explain the different ways to give. Today is the last day to give to Kingdom Builders. Again, our goal is 15,000. We're at 11,867 and 38 cents. Um, so give to that. And um, we don't need to encourage because you guys are wonderful givers and uh, we don't have time to encourage today. You guys are awesome. So give, give, give. Be generous. We thank you. God, we just pray right now for every giver. Lord, we pray your blessing to flow over this group. Father, we, you, these guys have given so uh, generously, Lord. God, pour back to them. God, return back to them. Your word says that you do. God, return it back to them in many fashions, Lord. God, bring blessing, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can pass those buckets. Drop your engage card in that bucket when it goes by as well. If you're here today and you've heard me talking about this discipleship process, you've heard me talking about this relationship with God, and you've never uh, asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You've never invited Jesus into your heart. I want to invite you to do that today. I don't want a moment of opportunity to go by. And so if, if you want a relationship where you follow Jesus deeply, I just want to pray with you and have you pray with me. And uh, we'll introduce you to Jesus. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would come and live inside my heart that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life. I believe that you died for my sins so that I could go with you to heaven. I believe that you died so that I would be healed and that I would be delivered from every form of oppression. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I just want you to let me know uh, sometime before the end of service. I realize we put the engage cards in the bucket already. So just let me know. Just come on over after service catch me i'll be here uh till the, the bitter end so let me know uh we'll be praying here in a minute you can let me know then um and we would love to do that i'm going to ask the healing team to come forward right now and just stand in a row here facing out uh just like we normally do we're going to have um we're going to have a, a time where you guys can come if you need healing in your body we've seen uh We've seen some radical healings here at Redeeming Love. Knee was healed and a thumb was healed this week. Uh, but we've also seen cancer removed, lumps removed from people's bodies, birthmarks removed, uh, pacemakers removed. We've seen wild healings. So there's nothing too difficult for God. There's nothing too small for God. So if you come forward, please come forward. If you want, um, if you want prayer, just come on up to one of these people that are standing up here. Receive prayer prayer for healing, prayer for blessing, prayer for anointing, prayer for any situation of your life. So altars are open. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down.